I'm like, hmm, I could either do jujitsu or I could do pro wrestling school. And it just seemed easier to just like get into jujitsu than it was to afford pro wrestling school. Even though at the time we had like SoCal Pro over here and uh, Tidal Wave Wrestling, I think that's what they were called back in the day. They had the schools over in San Diego. Um, but, you know, I pretty much chose jujitsu. And even though I'd still love to do pro wrestling to some degree or at least do the training, like I gave so much of my body and dedication to jujitsu that it's like, I'm locked in there. So like all the bumps and every drill that I would have to take and whatnot to do pro wrestling correctly, I beat the shit out of it with jujitsu. So it's like, I'm just going to stick on this path. But I mean, like, hey, Josh Burnett, you want to do Bloodsport? I would love to be on that show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I we do a little thing every year. We call it WWE BJJ Week. So every year we do the celebration. It's right around uh, WrestleMania. The last year we had to delay it for personal Fuck reasons. <laughs> uh, but, but WWE BJJ is actually a video submission. So what happens is we take submissions from people and we say, all right, send us, uh, it could be a match, it could be a, a technique that you're teaching, it could be anything you want it to be. And uh, what we will do, and uh, if you'll indulge me here for a second, I actually have to step off so that I can show you exactly what people are competing for. Mm -hmm. The winner of WWE BJJ Week as a fan submission gets this. And we have oh, a customized... Fuck yeah. What is up, ladies and gents? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Rafa Sparza, and we are coming to you with another great installment of the Grappling Hour. I am very excited for our guest today. He is, I mean, most guests are more energetic than me. Our guest today is seven times more energetic than I am. We'll get to him in just a second. But before we do, a couple quick reminders. First and foremost, if you like this show, and I hope that you do, I would love it if you guys could go support us on Patreon. That's right. We have another site, but we're switching this year to Patreon. So you can go to Patreon, find Grappling Hour there. You can see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. So if you do that early access, 30 days, anybody else, give us five bucks, a nice way to support the show. If you give us a few extra dollars, you can see extra bonus content that is not available anywhere else. What kind of extra bonus content? Well, I'll tell you. We do extra mini-sodes, which means extra episodes not available anywhere else. We also do uh, segments for popular topics such as steroids or opponents that our athletes have respected the most that they compete against that you didn't know about. We usually also do matches of the year where people talk about their favorite matches. You get to find out more about the athletes. And we also do a segment called Roast Wrath where people roast my competition footage. So it's a thing. They try to be funnier than me. I guess that's really what the segment is. Try to be funnier than Raph using Raph's not great competition footage, which it comes out pretty funny to me. So you can go join us, and that is at Grappling Hour on Patreon. We appreciate it if you guys would support us there. And for those of you who are on the other side, the other side stays up, so it's fine. Nothing changes for you, but this is just for our new friends. Additionally, you can support us by going on over to YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. And if you wait till the end of the video, we will give you something to like, comment, and subscribe about. 
So check that out. And of course, you can join our Discord for future information about the show where we continue the discussions that we have there. And check this out. We got merch now, y'all. Look at this. We got a Grappling Hour t-shirt. This is the sand color, a very popular color. I'm like pretty out of the sizes on this one. But you can go on over to rafasparza.com backslash merch, or you can just go on over to grapplinghour.com and you'll find it there as well. All right. About our guest here today. It is rare that a guest that comes on the show is nerdier than me about pro wrestling. And I say that incredibly rare. Like, I'm nor- look, look, I don't need credentials. I don't need your support. I have them. I have this painting. I have a wealth of knowledge. But in this particular case, I have somebody who has been bringing the real arts of pro wrestling to the somewhat real arts of jiu-jitsu. So we're going to talk to him about his experience as a grappler. He's also a competitive grappler who will be making his return to Subversive, the next one coming up on April 13th. And I am excited to talk with him because I am familiar with his work, but we have never really had the opportunity to chat. So today we are going to get to know one Mark Elliott. Mark, how are you doing, sir? Hey, that's me. Hello, new friends out there. Remember to buy the man's shirt. That is a great shirt right there. You like to grapple? You have an hour? Listen to his podcast and then support it with the t-shirt. For the love of God, man, look at him. He needs to buy more wrestling merch. Support I, the man. I do. The only reason I would say that is, I mean, the, the wall looks a little bit bare with just one painting. I think if you buy more stuff, I'll get another painting and support a local. Well, not a local. He's in like Australia or is there, I don't know, whatever. He's somewhere else. But uh, yeah, a, a very a talented pro wrestling fan drew that Sam Evans shout out. Sir, I have to ask this because this will determine a lot of where we are in the interview. Mm-hmm. But you're a pro wrestling fan. I appreciate that. Life on. You do seem to use pro wrestling in jiu-jitsu. We'll get to that in a minute. But this will determine where we are in our life. What was or will be your finisher if you were a pro wrestler? God damn. So that takes on a lot of like uh, different answers because, you know, when I was a little boy, I wanted to do a lot of what the WCW Cruiserweights did because they were short like me, but they did the most incredible things ever. Um and when I grew up and actually came into the grappling arts, I wanted to do like more technical stuff. Like uh, when I watched Zack Sabre Jr. wrestle, the shit that he comes up with uh, on the fly, and you know he's a, probably grapples on his own, it's just fucking incredible. Like just like the uh, the hurrah, uh, just that, just to move the hurrah uh, another year, uh, the exorable march of progress will lead us to just like victory. I fucking love that move. Um, but I remember early on in my jiu-jitsu career, I really wanted to make the LaBelle lock work, uh, you know, hit the omoplata because, like, uh, Brian Danielson did it, and I wanted to make that work. But as a white belt getting into jiu-jitsu, I realized how fucking hard it was to pull that off. So that would have been probably, like, uh, one of the finishers I want to do, or if not, a Texas Cloverleaf. I fucking love the Texas Cloverleaf so much. You have picked good ones for me. Those are definitely uh, part of mine. Obviously, I think it's very easy to understand which one would be mine if you were to pick uh, what you think mine would be. So it's not a secret to people. And the way that we do it in our gym is um, we do two things, which is I don't really pick on civilians. So if you're not a pro wrestling fan, I really don't waste my time 
on you unless you say the following words. You could never get one of those moves on me, to which I say <laughs> probably can. I'm better at that than I am at jujitsu. Um, but number two, when I am doing them, I try to find the best ways to implement them into my jujitsu. So sometimes belly down single leg footlocks become Boston crabs or at the very least oh, half yeah, crab. On the set. And the one that people legitimately give me props for is if I hit a figure four because they go, how did this work? And I go, well, if you take away the pomp and circumstance of spinning around, you don't anticipate <laughs> less it. <woos. laughs> less uh, 40 less woos at least. Um, yeah. I've been trying my entire jiu-jitsu career to pull that off, just like do a figure four leg lock, and it's just like I've uh, been futile. I know it can be done. I just and without the pop and circus, as as you could say, because when you whittle it down, you can fucking do it. It's just like I've been too clumsy to hit that move. But I mean, like I've done walls of Jericho's, but I want to do a figure four leg lock just on the faces. I remember my uncle Joe used to do that to me as a little kid, and then my my brother uh, George would come into the room. He'd do the JJ Dillon spot where he grabbed my uncle's arms and just like pull it up so that way he have more leverage. And I'm just like ah ah, god damn it. That's a that's a very good family right there. Like that's a that's a family that understands the business, as one might say. So, um, oh yeah. Well, I mean, like when I said, like when I was a pro wrestling fan my entire life. Usually, most people when they answer, uh, "What was your first distinct memory of pro wrestling?" You know, they'll have like they watch this moment, they watch that. I don't remember a moment in my life where I wasn't watching pro wrestling. When my uncles were watching, when my uncle Joe was watching me as a baby. He was just like watching the Von Eric um, Freebird feud because he would have the tapes from back in the day. Mm. Uh, when I was growing up, I would just like uh, go to the house shows with my dad all the time. And I would just watch WCW. I would watch uh, WWF, go back and forth through all of them, man. I mean, I was a pro wrestling fan my entire life. I mean, I took a little bit of a break in high school just because I cared all about heavy metal guitar. But as soon as I figured out what the X Division was and got into early Ring of Honor, <laughs> off to the races. You know, we had something great yesterday, which is the owner of the gym that I teach at, he was a lapsed fan who I brought back by taking him to PWG. So he's, yeah. he's immersed all the way in now. Like he's back in a way where he told me, and he's a very good tape study guy, which is why we get along. But he tells me, I want you to know you're responsible for having me do more tape study about pro wrestling than I have about MMA this year. And I said, yo, uh, oh, you're welcome, sir. Yo, was it the old, did you see the show at the Old Globe or was this was back in the Reseda days at the, uh, v, uh, the VFW Hall? So I got taken to one of the last shows at Reseda and those were phenomenal. I, I got Oh, when Danny Garcia was the champion? No, but like, uh, just right, because mm, it's, I, hold on, I have to get my timing right. We weren't the last show. it would be Bandino if not that. Yeah, we weren't the last show. But I want to say if it's it's within that last four or five. So DG was somebody I was paying attention to on the East Coast from like uh, when he was wrestling Brandon Thurston still, who is a, now a reporter in, in wrestling. And it's very funny to hear him say on his show, he goes, I do have some affiliation with Daniel Garcia. I did train him. There is that. So anyway, moving on. Um, but I was, I was kind of like hip to him. And then I saw him starting to make the rounds here. But... The ones I was taking them to was the Globe because the Globe out here in L.A., they have the perfect setup for us and especially us martial artists because I could never get front row and it pisses me off and I will pay for it, but they don't do it like they sell out in two seconds for front row for PWG. So oh, instead, dude, you got to have we, a hookup. 
ah, dude, I'm trying, man. But I also think yeah. like they got their guys and I feel like they go oh, with those sure. guys. But, but I mean, I there's some thing. people that have like ticket. I won't name who this was, but I know she doesn't care about pro wrestling. But then I saw one day on her uh, uh, stories that she was there just like at the PWG show. And that was the show where like uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, Jonathan Grisham was wrestling Alex Shelley. And I'm like, fuck, you got to watch that. And you didn't even care. <laughs> <laughs> this is great to be able to tell them like you don't deserve this okay i've been enjoying this product for a while so i the very first show i went to we went in like the top balcony and I said, these aren't actually bad seats like the balcony balcony where they jump off of stuff i don't want to be there we found this spot all the way over to the edge you can see everything perfectly and so now every time we come no matter how far we are in the line I feel, and we don't do anything physical, but I feel it is our mere presence as being martial artists that people go, oh, is that your spot? Okay. And so <laughs> we just kind of corner it. So every time there's a PWG, I just go there. And I've even looked at people like, why do you think you're coming here, dude? This is clearly our spot. We've been here for all these shows. So I'm, I'm so happy now that they're they're super into it and I got to take my so, friends to it. So yeah, watch so back in the... Go ahead, Back please. in the VFW days, I'm sorry, dude. I fucking autism. I don't know when to just like chime in. I'm like, <laughs> I think it's in. Um, but no, back in the receded days, like Josh Barnett used to go down there. So it'd be like, you just be in the small ass like hall and then Josh would just take his place. Like I remember Sammy Callahan and like Drake Younger were fucking brawling. And then somebody told Josh like, and I didn't know it was Josh just like from behind. Somebody told him, get the fuck out of the way when he's standing. He's like, shut up. And I'm like, it's Josh. And he's looking in my direction. I'm like, ah! <laughs> so it's like i I know that martial arts presence yeah i mean it is very funny in that uh i've i reckon i don't i think josh every once in a while he sent us the last interaction we had he sent us on something on facebook about one of the blood sports and uh now one of the homies that's so bad you know i it looks like they're bringing it back but they i think they're taking it elsewhere which perfectly fine but I feel so spoiled as an LA person because I'm just like, well, when's the next one here? Yeah, you got GCW, PWG, uh, fucking Stardom does shows every once in a while over there. Yeah, we we are blessed with uh, randomness, and uh, the hard part is is if you're doing jujitsu or MMA coverage, you're always like, oh, that conflicts with this. But maybe I can go. Dude, I, I teach I teach kids and students, so it would be like, hey, this show's coming up. Fuck, I can't go. But I mean, like the first AEW show that was in town, I. I was like, I'm using my first day off in years just to do it. <laughs> so, okay. We were kind of dancing around your first memories of doing uh, or seeing pro wrestling. And yeah. I have to ask this. Okay. Because I think this worked for me. But did pro wrestling have a direct line into getting you involved in martial arts or jiu-jitsu? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Just on the basis, like I was a little boy that wanted to grow up and win the uh, uh, cruiserweight title or the intercontinental title, which was my all-time favorite title. Um, And I always said, just like uh, if I ever win the high rollers title, which is one thing I would love to do in my career, I was going to use that in the speech where it's like I was a little boy that wanted to win the intercontinental title until I got high and then did jujitsu and then now I'm here, but I won this title. Um, (laughs) But I mean, like you know. Pair like with the pro wrestling plus like years of watching Dragon Ball Z and uh, uh, blood sport and uh, every other martial arts thing, whatever. I mean, it's like having a fucking superpower, man. And it's like you want to just like do something that makes it feel like you're a superhero. So, I mean, it was just a natural correlation. It was just like I wasn't a 
physical, physical person in that sense. Uh, being like, you know, I'm going to admit this. So when I was just like uh, in high school, I wasn't on the wrestling team. I was in show choir. Um, so, I mean, like, I didn't think like I'd had a path to just like pro wrestling. And then like, uh, I had the opportunity in my twenties when I started getting more athletic and everything like that. I'm like, Hmm, I could either do jujitsu or I could do pro wrestling school. And it just seemed easier to just like get into jujitsu than it was to afford pro wrestling school. Even though at the time we had like SoCal pro over here and uh tidal wave wrestling, I think that's what they were called back in the day. They had the schools over in San Diego. Um, but you know, I pretty much chose jujitsu. And even though I'd still love to do pro wrestling to some degree, or at least do the training, like I gave so much of my body and dedication to jujitsu that it's like, I'm locked in there. So like all the bumps and every drill that I would have to take and whatnot to do pro wrestling correctly, I beat the shit out of it with jujitsu. So it's like, I'm just going to stick on this path. But I mean, like, hey, Josh Burnett, you want to do Bloodsport? I would love to be on that show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I we do a little thing every year. We call it WWE BJJ Week. So... Every year we do the celebration. It's right around uh, WrestleMania. The last year we had to delay it for personal Fuck reasons. Uh, but but WWE BJJ is actually a video submission. So what happens is we take submissions from people and we say, all right, send us. Uh, it could be a match. It could be a, a technique that you're teaching. It could be anything you want it to be. And uh, what we will do, and uh, if you'll indulge me here for a second, I actually have to step off so that I can show you exactly what people are competing for. Mm -hmm. We'd like to remind you at this point to just buy a Grappling Hour t-shirt. The winner of WWE BJJ Week as a fan submission gets this. And we have oh, a customized yeah. WWE BJJ belt that we give to the winner. So it's our way of saying, because people go, well, how do I win or what do I do? And I go, just take jujitsu and put pro wrestling in it. Think of it as jujitsu Halloween. So if you've always wanted to be a heel, you can actually be a heel as opposed to people who pretend to be heels in MMA. Like you can actually do all the shitty things you wish you could do as a competitor. So this is a real path that we have given our friends who are in a similar space as you may have been. Man, even if I don't win that fair and square, I'm gonna find the person that do that did win it. Have my girlfriend throw salt in the dude's eye, and then hit him with a fucking steel chair thirty times, and then pose with the goddamn bell over his uh, body as I declare myself as the real champion. Well, Mark, this is an important question here. Yes, sir. Do you own championship belts? And I'm talking about well, pro wrestling championship belts. I'm not talking about like ones that you've won. I'm talking about the ones you either. Uh, one against the lady at Kmart through a price deduction or one that you have purchased via eBay? No. Um, my fandom, for the most part, I've never bought any of the belts is because I want the really good, good-looking belts. Um, the last belt I had when I was a kid were the ones that you made out of cardboard when you were doing it uh, with your brothers and everything like that. Uh, aside from, like, the backyard wrestling promotion I used to do with uh, my friends, you know, I was, like, the three-time hardcore champion, you know, just because I was the fucking kid that was wanting to jump off of high things um but uh besides that i've no i haven't had a belt but every time i'm at a pro wrestling show and there's like a really like the undisputed title or the intercontinental title like i just have that heel in me where i'm like one rear naked choke he doesn't know how to defend it or see it coming i'm the new champion we are of the same mind here i have 100 <laughs> percent uh, we had a friend who I met at WrestleMania 26 and he came to our Royal Rumble viewing party and he told me, he's like, dude, people have been stealing that joke from you for the past like 15, 16 years. And I go, 
sure. Because they put it on that, like, I think people were sharing a meme. It's like, if you have a championship belt, I should be able to challenge you for it. And I go, yeah, dude, I'm like, I've said it on the podcast. We've done these things for years. It's on record because I sized up some of these guys and I was like, their posture is a little too pronounced when they win these things or they have them on their, their shoulder. Like they really act and embody like their posture changes. They peacock out. And I'm always like, it's like it raises your stats instantly. Yeah. But you're like, bro, you didn't beat anybody for that. And all of us as martial artists kind of do this thing where we go, Oh, how'd you win that title? Oh, who'd you beat for that? Oh, that's so great. Congrats. But in this particular case, I'm like, Dude, you didn't do shit for that. You should have to it's, defend it. It's like winning the medal just because no one showed up in your division. <laughs> exactly. And you still take the, look what the fuck I did picture. <laughs> so I'm glad you were saying this. I want to move on, but I cannot because you opened too many doors here. By all means, dude. Shit. Okay. It's your show. <laughs> well, that's true. I can do what I want. It is my show. Um, you mentioned a backyard wrestling organization. I'm fascinated by people who did that because there's so much creativity that goes by the wayside. So there's a two part question here. Part one, do you have videos of you being a backyard wrestler? And part two, what was your character? No, because we didn't have the money to afford a camera at the time. And no, we weren't smart enough to have characters. And we were not smart enough to actually know how to do the moves cooperatively or actually make it look like a dance. We were dumb, hyperactive kids. And the kid's backyard that we did it in was happened to be the school bully. So um, we basically had a trampoline, a pool, and a bunch in a lot of space. So we just beat the shit out of each other. So like when I got F5'd in the pool, I got F5'd in the pool. When I got pile-driven, I got pile-driven. Uh, the one time you put me in the walls of Jericho and then went straight backwards and my neck... Uh, went straight back like i was being um uh, neck cranked that was real um you know it's like when mick foley talked about the dynamite kid like how does he make it look so real the magic trick was it fucking hurt so i mean like we were not smart kids we were hyperactive kids that just uh ignored the don't try it at home <laughs> warning and just fucking did it um I mean, I wish i could romanticize it more than that no, no, but no, I mean, like, that, that's exactly what i thought it might be the reason yes. why I laugh is, is because we have had friends and this extends from goons like yourself and myself to polished interviews with somebody like a Chris Van Vliet, where he's talking to me and he tells me like, oh yeah, I backyard wrestled. And I go, I just can't see it. You look like you a Disney. Chris? Yeah, we have, we have interviewed and it is out of mutual respect because he and I share both wrestling, but doing this. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I just want to see what the magic feels like in person. So I tried to book him on. We do a segment where on Verbal Tap, when we used to run that show, where we would bring on a guest and they would put their UFC pay-per-view picks against my co-host and I would moderate it. And I said, I think you'd be great for them seeing you do more of these MMA interviews. So it'd be fun. And he's yeah, like, he's great. But he goes, I don't, I don't think I should do that one. And I go, then maybe you shouldn't do interviews with MMA athletes. Get out of my space, young man. And then he's just laughing. I was like, no, no, no. I go, seriously, we'll find another time. So instead, we went to a bar, we had beers, and then we did uh, an interview segment. I have to call it Interview Brews. And uh, he was as nice as possible. But when he's telling me, he's like, yeah, 
you know, my finisher, you know, I was hitting a tombstone, but I also did this move and I was flipping off oh, of stuff. God. And I'm looking at him and I go, yeah, you were about to go the actual pro wrestler route, but then you recognize this was way better for you. Smart move, CVV. Yeah, I mean, some people need to be the inner... Look, you grow up, a lot of kids want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin or whatever, but then you're smart enough to be like, yeah, maybe I'm more like Jim Cornette or maybe I'm more JR or maybe I'm like Mean Gene Okerlund. You know, I could still be in pro wrestling, but I'm not going to do the thing that the other guys do with the next level, but I'll still have a place in the world, which I think is good too. Because, I mean, there are a lot of people that try to do everything, but they can't do everything. And then there's, I mean, not everybody can be fucking Austin Aries. Like, remember when he had that uh, gimmick where he was like, I, I was the greatest TNH, I was the greatest ROH champion of all time, and I was the greatest tattoo champion of all time, but now I'm the greatest manager of all time. <laughs> I mean, the nice part about it is my my dreams have always been very much like, no, I'm good being interview guy. I like this. Uh, that's why all the time when I'm talking to, to these folks or they, they do stuff, they're like, oh, man, don't you want to be up there? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I, I'll train with them later. I have a very real interpretation of who I am and what I do. Um, For sure. But and, having and her, said that. And, oh, oh sorry. Again. No, I was gonna, and, and I recognize that with like me doing jujitsu. Like, like the only reason I would like want to do pro wrestling is to tell a good story. Like I don't need sure. to go to the WWF. Or uh, I would like to wrestle in Japan, but I mean, like, you got to be super duper polished for that. But like, um, in jujitsu, I get to do all the things I loved in pro wrestling, which is like travel around, uh, get to meet new opponents, get booked on different shows, and uh, fulfill that love. While at the same time, in the course of an actual match, which we're doing, just like uh, in the sense of just like there is no predetermined finish, we're trying to actually go after there and create the finish. It's like there's a fucking story in those matches, and I felt like. I've had a lot of instances where I'm doing a jiu-jitsu match live and I'm telling a fucking story and I got people behind me or I went over fans. Like, my last match was just at Subversive with uh, Tien. You know, I lost that match fair and square and Tien's the man. Shout out, brother. Um, but I felt like I got a lot of love from people just like after that match saying like, dude, we fucking love your style. You were great and this and that. So it's like, you know, that's great. I miss, I miss congeniality in that, you know? And I got to fulfill that need to be like, cool, I could tell stories in this, you know? Like, I'm still chasing like uh, winning a lot in subversive or not subversive, sorry, uh, high rollers, and then one day getting the challenge for that title. And my losses right now in that organization are going to just like be the framework for my ultimate victory. You know, kind of like Bailey. Yeah, I mean, listen, dude, you can be on a story as long as uh, Cody Rhodes has been on a story because when they get that clip of those kids roasting him and being like, "So are you champion?" and we all go, "Don't do that to him, man." Leave that <laughs> and then like yesterday at the press conference they asked him the vince mcmahon question i was like don't ask him that ask triple h that um well actually I mean? cody is if you have to ask anybody anything that dude it, cody rhodes is fucking magnificent in the sense of like that dude gives the best answers to everything in terms of just like he'll give his opinion but give enough of it like in a politician way to be like it's not phony but he gives you the right answer but he doesn't get anybody or himself in trouble well, when he did answer the Vince question, I said, well, that's the reason you put the belt on him. Like right there. How he answered that question didn't sidestep it. And it was better than uh, Triple H's answer. Which uh, I didn't read it. Uh, I, I didn't read any of that document. <laughs> I, I We made a quick little meme here and I stand by it. But it made me reminiscent of when Matt and Trey from South Park showed up as J-Lo and Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow. Magical. Magical. 
you know, this is a real magical night. And it's just, you know, we why we don't want to bring that up when they were trying to ask about their dresses. They're like, no, 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 it's it's just a magical night. It, it's a magical evening. <laughs> just thought I fucking that, love those guys. That was essentially what Triple H did, which was I, I choose to stay on the positivity. And it's like, cool, bro. Please have someone give you a written statement that you can just read up top because this is one of the worst allegations against a company that if it opens the door, could be worse and worse and worse. All right, let's get back to this, though. I want to hear yeah. about day one for you in jiu-jitsu. So, obviously, you're this pro wrestling nerd. You were probably taking bumps that probably hurt very, very badly. A uh, lot. Could have been a lot of bad concussions that we just didn't know. Um, but having said that, where does martial arts find its way into your life, especially if you weren't doing uh, wrestling in high school or uh, in your youth? I mean, the closest thing martial arts I was doing was just like, uh, you know, Kembo Karate when I was just like uh, 13, about to like 17. I was doing Kembo Karate. But like in terms of just like how jujitsu came about, I just was, I got um, just into watching just like uh, MMA and just like particularly the UFC. And just like when I saw jujitsu for the first time, I thought it was like the most magical thing ever. Uh, it was just like this, uh, I mean, it reminded me of just like watching Dean Malenko or just like somebody just like doing a whole bunch of just like these intricate moves and holes. And it was just so incredible. And then at the independent scene at the time, you notice it's like in the mid ROH period, let's say with like the Danielsons and the Nigel McGinnis's and Davey Richards, who's one of my fucking love that dude. Uh, they were doing a lot of jujitsu moves in their stuff, you know, and I'm watching GSP as a black belt and everything like that. And I was like, so impressed and in. I love that art, but like to be able to do that art, it was hard to find, you know, I couldn't afford to do it. And, uh, for the most part, my foot in the door was like, okay, I gotta be physical. I gotta be able to just like do this stuff. So I just did a bunch of striking that was wherever I could just like make sure I was conditioned enough to do jujitsu. Um, and then it became like, uh, the first day I did jujitsu where I was able to do it. Um, I was at city college at the time and I was with my buddy EB, uh, shout out to my friend Markello. And we were in the martial arts class, just like uh, just waiting around at the orientation. And then uh, one of our really strong friends, uh, God, I forget his name, but a really nice Turkish guy. Uh, he was wrestling with just like who became one of my good friends later, Eddie. Uh, they were just like rolling over in the mats. And then Eddie got him in a triangle choke. And I was like, me and Eby were like, dude, look at that. And we ran over and I'm like, dude, that was the coolest thing ever. Could you show us how to do that? He's like, oh, well, actually, we have a, I have a place over in uh, is. Uh, over in San Ysidro, which is on the other side of town over here in uh, San Diego. Like, San Ysidro is so close, you look to the right, and there's the fucking border. Like, you could probably throw something over there, and then it hits Tijuana on the other side. That's how close it is. So, uh, I still remember my first night of doing jiu-jitsu, where it's like, it's City College, we're in San Diego downtown, we have to go all the way to the other side of town on the trolley to get there. And I take the trolley down with Eddie. We go there, and this was at the time when they were redoing the trolley and just like remodeling it so like basically like we were supposed to get there at like seven o'clock and then get there be able to train till about 8 30 but because of the trolley layback we didn't get there till 7 30 so we had to just like get off the trolley run up a hill hop a fence run across uh a, run across the elementary school uh yard and then hop another fence run down to the rec center and then we get the train and, you know, I got the crap kicked out of me in the most effortless way by these people. But I was so fascinated by that. Uh, and I loved it. And I finally got to do this stuff. And it was great. And I understood. 
I mean, not as a prodigy, but I understood like, wow, this is why this is so cool, man. And the people there were just like uh, these humble little technical nerds, uh, aside from like Gerardo and uh, uh, Eddie, who were just like more into sports than that. But it was just really cool to just like be immersed in that art and to experience that for the first time. And to actually really have to like go through a journey, just like get to that first training session. And I loved it. I was just so enamored by that. Do you remember um, the first move that you kind of remember pulling off? Armbar. And armbar. Uh, the first time I did an armbar correctly, uh, it was because like, uh, I was like not even a month into my training. Cause like at the end of this month, actually on the 31st, and that's how, this is the only reason I know how long I've been doing jujitsu for exactly on the 31st is my anniversary will be my ninth year anniversary doing jujitsu. Um, like nine years of doing this. And I remember like the month afterwards, my buddy EB to quote the great dusty Rhodes, uh, talking to big Bubba Rogers. It's like, uh, when he fucked up, uh, one of the boys, he just tells him in the backstage, do not do moves. You do not know how to do, do not do moves. You do not know how to do. I'm not going to do a dusty Rhodes Cause it's going to be fucking terrible. But EB in the spirit of that, tries to jump guard on me and keep in mind, I'm like probably 143 pounds at the moment or at the time. And he's about like 180. He jumps guard on me and my fucking knee just caves and pops. So that shit happens. And then I got to wait. I got to basically sit on fucking frozen peas. Cause you know, I don't have health insurance. So I got to sit on fucking frozen peas and just like rehab that shit and hope I can get back in there. And then finally, when I do go back in there uh, and I'm able to wrestle, I think it or grapple. Uh, it was after I think three weeks or so. I was able to finally just like get an arm bar and I'll tell you this, honestly, I'm never to this day, like I'm a brown belt now, but even back then and still now I do not learn shit quick. I have to like see that stuff like 40,000 times and hopefully I can get it on the uh, 40,000 of one time. I finally get that move. Right. So when I did get that arm bar, right, I was so goddamn happy. I remember looking at my uh, coach Gerardo at the time and I was like, coach, coach, I did it. Granted though, he's, at the moment, at that moment, he was trying to just like north south choke Eddie, so he didn't probably hear. But I was just like, so like, I finally did it. What do you think clicked for you? Because you mentioned being surrounded by a bunch of other nerds, but you also mentioned, I mean, I'm just guessing here. There's a lot of hyperactivity within you. So like, guessing, but <laughs> what was connecting for you uh, in terms of saying like, yeah, this is where I belong. It's just like, I, you have this feeling where it's like, if it was in a movie, it'd be like that point where you just hear that your theme or your sound or the soundtrack playing, you know, uh, it, I just had that feeling where it's like, I heard the score of the movie of my life right now. And then this is where I'm supposed to be. I mean, I had other catalysts where it's like, I had one big other catalyst that happened in my life where it's like, I had to stop being a fan of jujitsu and had to actually learn this shit. Um, so between that and just like finally getting to take my first class at, from that catalyst to this, uh, that was just like, I'm supposed to be here. And I love being here. I think just also what clicked other than just like having that deeper calling was just like, again, being just a big fan of just like pro wrestling, loving that physicality of it. And just like uh, seeing, I mean, I didn't have to submit to myself to the fact where it's like, Oh, it's going to hurt getting the shit. Because a lot of people, they talk themselves out of jujitsu where it's like, I don't want to get beat up. But it's like, dude, I got the shit kicked out of me in elementary school to middle school. I actually got a free pass in high school. I didn't get beat up. But still, I'm like, I was used to having the shit kicked out of me. So it wasn't anything new. Um, so that was already out of the way. And I already like doing it. So even if it's hard for me to learn, I'm still going to be dedicated enough to learn it. I mean, even now, it's like, uh, I'll fuck up a move and this like coaches on my ass about it. But still, it's like, 
okay, getting yelled at, but I'm going to get the shit down. I don't know how long it takes. <laughs> I tell a lot of my, my students and my friends, I say, no, I don't learn things very quickly, but you know, I'm around enough that eventually osmosis or a miracle or Jesus or Buddha or one of those yeah. things, it seeps it in at some point. But I do tell people, I go, the rough math equation is for every one minute you spend, I probably have to do 10 minutes just to kind of have yeah. it work. So story of my career. It, it, it's not fun, but at least I recognize and own that as opposed to some of my other friends who go, oh, yeah, I drilled it like twice and I've got it. And I go, sounds like a fun story. I'll be here Fucking for the rest Mike of the Diffley. day. That's my buddy, Mike Diffley. Shout out to you, dude. Uh, that dude is a goddamn – he has like Forrest Gump level autism where he could just like learn a move and just be able to like do it right away and then like perfect the move and then know how to do a whole other just like sequence off of that. Like the dude uses like five fucking words like bro, fire, hella <laughs> – um yeah and um but like you ask him about jujitsu then suddenly he becomes fucking doc brown talking about the time paradox <laughs> and fuck you diffley so having said that i always like to know when people fell in love with jujitsu because it seemed like it happened very early for you but there has to be a hook there has to be a thing that makes you kind of go all in on this like it makes you say no, I truly love this in a way that I'm going to dedicate more time than maybe I should, but that I'm that invested in this because I love it. Oh, God, what was that kind of weird? I mean, I just, I fell in love with it right away. I love the technique. It, okay, everything in my life for the most part has been an endeavor to just like figure out how I can use my voice, my talents or whatever, and just be able to just like, I don't know, communicate or just like be able to show that creative extension of myself, be it like, uh, through playing guitar and being a musician, as long as I was, you know, uh, I was a solid rhythm guitar player, but I, I, you know, I gotta use this metaphor. I was a solid rhythm guitar player, but I couldn't figure out like how to really do solos and things like that. And then like, uh, with, uh, writing, I felt like I can just like, Oh wow. I'm doing something which is like how I can write and everything like that. I feel like I'm actually just like, I can, this is like, I, in this, I can do a version of a guitar solo and it's pretty damn competent. And then like with jujitsu, I felt like once it was starting to click, it just felt like, my God, I'm starting to become that musician where it's like, I can think about it in my brain and be able to do it. Uh, granted though, it didn't, that wasn't instantaneously. I will never claim to be a prodigy. Uh, after all, I was just always willing to learn and I wanted to dedicate myself to this. Um, but just like, I just feel that connection where it's just like, holy shit, I'm actually getting to the point where it's like, I can like in the middle, like I love being able to just like flow in the middle of matches. And it just feels like watching those Kung Fu movies where everything just clicks, you know, like I'm the main character of 36 Chambers of Shaolin or the mystery of checkboxing. And then it's like, I got the lesson and now I'm doing it. It's not even like I'm thinking about some shit. And I now being out there, being at an ADCC or subversive or just like doing really good in the flow or everything like that. It's like, I am just locked in. I am reacting. There's just instinct it's fucking beautiful to like tap into those it's uh ultra instinct and in dragon ball z it's fucking getting the right like i always say like i want my jujitsu to feel like you're listening to a really good uh rap flow where it's like deltron or mca or my favorite the old dirty bastard where it's just like it's unique it's raw everything's flow it's tight it's on the beat um you know and i was just like jujitsu was a thing i first felt like where it's like i can do that in this art you know Whereas other things I love doing, and it definitely uh, brought out a character in me, jujitsu was a thing that was just like, this is it. This is what I was leading to. 
let's go back and talk a little bit about this musicianship because <laughs> I don't necessarily have that talent, but I love mm-hmm. hearing about people who spend time learning how to play a guitar. So tell me about when you started and what was like the first song that you kind of started learning how to play. Jane Says by Jane's Addiction was the first song I ever learned how to play. Uh, just because it's like two chords, just dun 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 Listeners of the Grappling Hour, I apologize for just like my use of melody. I'm practically deaf now, so it's like between that and my annoying voice. That sounds terrible. I get it. But it's two chords. It's just upstroke, downstroke. It was easy to learn. Um, in terms of just like how I was learning how to play guitar, uh, I just kept, again, just I was dedicated to it. And I just kept hitting my head against the wall until I got the shit down. Um, and, you know, I was determined. I just loved the thing that I love to do. And I just sat out and just like drilled the shit over and over again. And then, yeah, I had guitar teachers, things like that, that helped me out in the local area at the music school in Chula Vista. But um yeah, for the most part, I just love doing it. But when I consider myself a great musician, fuck no. I was just a passionate one. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, let- I wish I was more into punk rock at the time because it's like uh, I could have been able to pull off a lot of brilliant shit uh, just writing there. But, you know, I loved heavy metal. So that's what I wanted to play. So I should ask this, which is who are your heavy metal favorite bands? Because I feel like we probably grew up in, in a similar way in terms of. Mm-hmm. The people that really, really reached out to us and were were part of that generation of all oh, those bands are so dope. Like, who is that for you? Ah, uh, God, so many different answers. Uh, let's see. Well, you know, you're a 13 year old, you're a 12 year old kid. You in high school, you obsess about Metallica. That thing, that's like the first avenue that people go on. Then you get in the Slayer, and then it gets become more more heavier things like that. But I mean, just like. Uh, yeah, that's so hard because it's like everything's so eclectic now and i've done years of like psilocybin mushrooms where it's like my music taste has definitely expanded so it's not even just like uh being into metal but it's like whatever i'm listening to at the time is like my favorite shit like i was listening to mastodon not too long ago and then i was listening to like when i was teaching the kids class and we do the king of the mountain game uh we're doing the king of the mountain uh we're basically just like playing open guard passing just you know it's an open guard passing game you know, I'm playing fucking killing is my business being in business is good. I'm playing rust in peace. I'm playing uh, ministries albums. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> like, I mean, most people learn how to play fast, like learning to slayer. I learned how to play fast, learning to just like trying to figure out ministry. Uh, I fucking love the black Dahlia murder. Uh, I think they're great. They're probably like one of the funnest bands I've ever seen live. Um, just as a metal group. Uh, Jesus Christ. It's like picking my favorite children. <laughs> I understand the difficulty here, but I do like yeah. pressing uh, Pantera. that. Okay, that, that checks out. I just always think because I feel like when I was growing up, metal didn't connect to me, but later in life, it found its way to me a little bit more. You know, I was 100%. more on the hip-hop R&B side. And then, of course, as you start to ingest any kind of time in a gym and you have anybody that grew up in certain eras – there's no getting around it. You know the playlist. You know exactly what's going to go on. And there are some yeah. teammates that if they're in charge of the music, you know exactly what kind of session you're in for when you see the music selection and you go, okay. Exactly. And uh, shoe on the other foot, like I had to catch up to hip-hop because it's like when I was like in middle school through high school, hip-hop was terrible at the time other than a few exceptions. But, you know, 
later in life you want to figure out other things and just like have your broader expansions i got into hip-hop like in my early 20s so i had to catch up to like uh the wu-tang clan i had to catch up to mob deep i had to catch up to like uh, all the hip-hop that i listen to now like if i would have found the deltron 3030 album which came out in 2001 when i was in the eighth grade if i would have found that shit at the time i'd have been the biggest hip-hop fan in the world and then i would have had to catch up to heavy metal but you know i was just like that's what i connected to at the time now uh or not now i mean it's been like 10 plus years since i've been a hip-hop fan so now it'll be less like what you said with the playlist sometimes if i'm in charge of the playlist i want to listen to liquid swords Sometimes I want to listen to Primus, which was like I was listening to for like the last three months. And, you know, when I'm cleaning the gym, I want to listen to the band's self-titled album because I fucking love the night that they uh, drove Dixie down, you know? I understand that and I hear you. So let me ask this. You did say that was one of the best concerts that you've been to live. It always begs the question, what have been some of the other best concerts that you've been to? Because if you're a music Two times fan, I've seen... Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. sorry. Take it. Two times the, the two times I've seen Tool on the Ten Thousand Day Tour and uh on the street scene tour two thousand six or not tour, but it was just a street scene show in San Diego. I almost broke my back at that show just because the crowd was just like uh, uh almost collapsing into itself. They had to stop the show and like uh after they played the pot and just like calm down the audience, which sucked because if they didn't have to do that, which I'm glad they did because Maynard basically was the reason I didn't break my back. Uh that we would have gotten to see opiate live, so that would have been fucking cool. But I mean, other great shows I've been to, um, uh, Neil Young, I saw him back in 2009 with my mom. That was phenomenal. Um, I also saw The Cure live in 2016. That was just like a big check mark for my life. Um, the first time I saw, Sl I mean, I've seen Slayer three times, the original lineup, but the first time I saw Slayer in a small club called Soma, that was incredible. Uh, just on the basis of just like Jeff Hannon and it being like right fucking there. Because, uh, you know, this was like at the time where now I'm a teenager and I can go to shows where it's like the band isn't far away from you. They're like, you could touch their shoe if you reached out. So it's like Jeff Hanneman standing over you with his custom ESP Heineken guitar with the two EMG pickups and the 24 frets. And it's just like me and my best friend at the time were just in awe, like just watching over him. So that was another one of the rad shows I've ever went to. And shit, I have a whole uh, cadre of tickets. Like I, I have... But all, uh, in my closet, I'm pointing to. I have this like a seal of every single show I've ever been to. Oh, that's um, cool. Oh yeah, I've been. Oh, explosions in the sky were great live. Um, that was another bucket list band. Mogway was phenomenal. Uh, I didn't see Primus. They actually opened up for Tool the third time I saw them. Oh, and all four times I've seen Rush. Yeah, this checks out. This uh, this profile. Yes, I totally understand this. Uh... If I were to be a spot list understanding uh, playlist, I would have a very easy way of titling what your music <laughs> genre would be, which would be, uh, you know, most of these things on, on Spotify, it puts a playlist of an AI generated thing. And it says this <laughs> is what your your general taste is. Mine would just be like, yo, get your mind bent. You're about to hear some fucking music would be just be the playlist name uh and it would be a mix of heavy metal <laughs> and uh some very very good hip-hop cuts let me ask this though yeah you kind of uh went around talking about some of your your competition kind of moments but i'd like to know like what oh, yeah. has been some of your favorite competition moments thus far in because where you overlap with me is i definitely remember seeing your match with tn at subversive the problem is 
I don't get to digest matches until I watch them later whenever I'm mm-hmm. behind the scenes. If I'm commentating, I definitely remember everybody. But when I'm like running around, I remembered watching the match and going like, okay, cool. Hey, cut that camera. Do this. Change this. And then like, <laughs> a little bit later, like, oh, yeah, that was a good match. Fuck, I got to go back and rewatch that. So for you, maybe if people are unfamiliar with your work, tell us some matches or some moments that you've enjoyed over your time as a competitor thus far in. Uh, well, these are my favorite matches are just like uh, a lot of them are the ones I lose. Like uh, this past weekend at 80, or not this past weekend, like two weekends ago, I guess, uh, ADCC, I had my favorite match excuse me, I had my favorite competition match ever with um, uh, Yano the Beast on uh, uh, Instagram. Fucking phenomenal. That was like my all-time favorite tournament matches. I love the back and forth in that match. I love that style. I love being able to flow every second with them. That felt like a great, I mean, that felt like a good anime, that that felt like a good anime battle. That felt like two guys that just love what we do, just going out there, putting out a show. it was, we were trying to kill each other the whole fucking time, which is what you're supposed to fucking do. There was no point fighting bullshit. It was just, we were going for the jugular. I love that match. I will always like, uh, give that dude my highest props. Uh, I can't wait to rematch him. And that's out of respect, dude. Like I just got along with that guy even before, like we, uh, stepped on the mats together to just like be, uh, opponents. So that was one of my favorite ones. Um, probably the time I won tap cancer out as a, I mean, it's smaller, but like, when I won Tap Cancer out, uh, the gold in that, that came after a year for just like driving my dad to chemotherapy because he had like colon cancer. So I had to drive my dad to just like uh, every day for about like three months. I had to drive my I had to like basically be at the gym, stop, uh, leave midway in the gym, pick up my dad, drive him across town, take him to chemotherapy, drop him off and then go to the gym and just like uh, uh, get back my training or teach my classes. So like I was just so much on the go with that. Um, that by the time I got to do the tap cancer out, the one thing I wanted to do was just win for my dad. I just wanted to win. Um, and to finally get that gold medal, um, which again, it was just against one opponent who was Ronin and I love that guy. He was great. Um, it was just really cool just cause it felt like it was a release from just like having to just like deal with all that. Cause I didn't really have time to process the emotion of like, shit, my dad could die. I just had to just like take care of him and then just like take care of my kids and my students and just like finally when i won that it was just like i cried like a big fucking kid you know i was just like so it felt like all the weight of everything i was carried just like i released out of that so that was one of my favorite moments um my match with harold at uh uh arte suave elite that was a really good uh match uh shout out to harold 10th planet love you fucking guys uh uh i had a good match with uh, my buddy joe over at a local tournament here that was fucking sick I mean, I don't know. Anytime I just like feel like it just clicks and it was awesome. I love that match. It's subversive. That was great. I mean, if you look back at that footage, I have a big dumb grin on my face each takedown I took and each flow I got out of or something I got into. That was fucking fun. Oh, no, I definitely, definitely remember that because when, especially you're putting these things together. If you're over on the side, you always go, yeah, that dude's smiling nonstop. And I think, yeah. you know, come to think of it, now that you jog that part of my memory, we have these things similar to this, uh, but it's like a headset, you know, the yeah, yeah. the Michael Jackson headset. So you're on those things, the comms. And I remembered saying over the to the group of us who are all in production, I was like, this dude will not stop smiling. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. I go, this kid's loving it. And you know what? I Keep the camera on him. I fucking love what I do. 
uh it's just it's the most funnest thing ever man uh oh and fuck i forgot to shout out high rollers um the high rollers open were always fucking fun i've always had great matches at high rollers um Again, I got to improve my winning streak in high rollers, you know, but uh, I've always had like great matches at high rollers and they've very much always supported me and taken care of me. Uh, love them. I can't wait to be back for the April show. Uh, I think they're doing one in April. I hope I didn't at least get out of the bag of that one, but uh, they said they're doing a 420 show. So I hope to be back on that one. Oh no, a surprise 420 show from high rollers? Yeah. What stories would have a show at 420? Get out of here. You know, it's so it's funny. If you were to literally ask anybody, and shout out High Rollers, if you were to ask anybody when a High Roller show is, and they knew nothing about the org, they'd probably go 420. So if you yeah. are ever blamed for letting that cat out of the bag, I got news <laughs> for you. You and the entire society of the world are also on that lawsuit. I want to point yeah. this out because of uh, Tap Cancer Out. You know what's great about it? And I'm sure since you've gone, you you felt this that's kind of the sentiment of the tournament. Um, John Thomas, organizer of it, longtime friend of the show. And I remembered when it first appeared, we brought him on verbal tap. And it was because I was like, well, you know, my mom had breast cancer and everybody has those stories. Everybody has those connectors. And you immediately mm -hmm. think to yourself, like, it, it doesn't necessarily involve her, but I feel like there are others like me who have those stories. So why not use your platform to talk about it and say like, hey, there's this tournament. It's coming up in San Diego. They're coming out here for the first time. And I remember I told him I went a couple years in a row down the San Diego one specifically. And I just loved the vibe. I loved how much people were there. You could see so many different emotions. Some people having gone through cancer and come to compete. Yeah. And some people who have family members who right. uh, may or may not be with us, but it's, it's a very emotional uh, tournament. Yeah, like so my buddy, I, I totally like my opponent, uh, uh, God, I'm sorry. I'm running over you, brother. Uh, my opponent, uh, Rowan, uh, Rowan, the son on Instagram, he was a cancer survivor or is a cancer survivor. Sorry. I didn't mean to say in the test tense, brother. I love you, man. Uh, he beat cancer. He gave me a lot of just like good comfort. Just like after just like uh, releasing that emotion from my dad uh, about everything I was feeling with my dad and that win. Um, you know, it's a great thing. And I got to say this like straight up, even besides all that nice sentimental shit, they're the best organized tournament. Like when they say you're supposed to go on 11, go the fuck on at 11. When you're supposed to go on at 12, they go on at fucking 12. It's beautiful. I did that tournament. I got all my shit. I, got, I coached all my kids. The second my kids were done, the second my last kid was done, all brown belts, all black belts, please report the bat, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Sweet. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to whoop ass and just like go home and eat a pizza. And then I forgot what <laughs> UFC was playing that night, but uh, it was great. I was so fucking happy about that. I, yeah, I so think, shout out to that guy for just like keeping a tight ship. Like I would I love think, a no gi section of it, but if making a gi only is what keeps it that organized, God bless them to keep it that way. Just don't you ever change tap cancer out. I mean, we'll definitely yell at him at some point. I'm sure we'll, we'll send a message on over and be like, yo, John. So I already have issue, which is every year around that time, because they, they usually do it January, February for San Diego. Yeah, and 10 I'm based or out, Yeah, and I'm based out in L.A., so it, it's an excursion. It takes a minute to figure things out. And I'm not even talking about going to compete. I'm talking just for me to go cover it on occasions or, or go, uh, you know, see it live because I want to support it. But it gets dangerously close to my wife's birthday, which is right around Valentine's Day. And so it's always like, what are we doing? 
Always one, nothing. Okay, I'm not gonna go. Okay, have fun, yeah. you guys. And then I just keep putting it up. So, uh, in the past, I've had to let him know. I'm like, John, I can't show up. You, you're killing me, dude. But Godspeed yeah. and good luck to you guys. Um, but yeah, I have gone multiple times and loved it, enjoyed it. And you are correct; they are very much on time, which uh, I can not necessarily say for major organizations. In oh, blood on on the set, dude. I've been. It, even smaller uh, smaller tournaments like you expect it out of but it's still a fucking headache like if i had to spend a whole day just like uh coaching kids which i love to do that part of it i'm not bitching about but just like how things get hold up and sometimes it's not even like the promotion's fault sometimes it, it is but like sometimes it would just be like uh there's another coach arguing with a referee uh, about like some point that was they, they they already won the fucking thing right and they're still arguing about a point that just wasn't given and like me and the other coaches are like Dude, can every fucking time can we just go up there and coach? I want to go home. Yeah, it's heavy, dude. Um, that's what I can say about it is that it's nonsensical in certain respects that certain organizations do it. Uh, you and I will talk more about that, I guess, off air in a few minutes because uh, you did ask a question earlier, uh, very kindly about something that I realized that I will tell you off air, even though I've already said mm -hmm. it on air, but uh, I have no reason to harp on it for certain organizations. I do wonder this though. So yeah. given that it is the earliest part of the year, you know, we're just starting it out. What do you envision your 2024 looking like? And having said that, you know, you will be appearing at the next subversive and I'd love to hear like, what is in store for you this year? Like what have you been visualizing happening for you on the jujitsu side in 2024? I just want to be a good reflection of my team and of my, uh, I want to be a good reflection of my team. And then like the coaching that I received from just like, uh, uh, my coach Herman and just like all my other teammates that just like uh, support me and to be a good example for my kids in that sense of just like uh, go after anything that you want to fucking do. So it's like if I die on the hill, just like going after just like uh, wanting to compete at this promotion or just like uh, take on that dream opponent, you know, I want to go after those full head, uh, full head of steam because it's like where say I'm trying to climb up the mountain and I die trying to get to the summit or something like that. One of my kids might actually climb over my fucking body and make it to the top of that bitch the thing that they want to do so it's like i definitely always go into it with just like that um sorry let me just fix that light i i bet you in money the viewers wanted me to do that like 45 minutes ago i know my girlfriend would probably just like chew me off for that one because she hates that light <laughs> it's, um it's okay but but that being said though um my 2024 i mean i'm taking it as it goes but i want to be busier i want to debut in places that i've never uh wrestled for before you know that would be amazing uh i want to win the next subversive match you know i mean it's nice being miscongeniality and everything like that but i want to put some wins together um i just again i just always want to show every time that i'm on the mats i'm dedicated to my craft i love my craft i want to evolve from uh, i want to show that i evolved and i improved from my craft and you know that i am a unique performer i am somebody that you can uh book you know like i just always you know, everyone has different goals. You know, some people want to be the ADCC champion. Some people want to be a great coach. Some people want to be, uh, you know, everyone has their goals. But for me, I want to have like, I guess my goal is just like, I want to be like, you can read my name on a card and be like, dude, we got to, we got to tune in for that. Cause that match is going to be fucking sick. You know, like you can, you, you as a booker can put my name against like another awesome, uh, jujitsu practitioner's name. And then that would be the shit. Uh, and it's like, okay, cool. We're going to book that. That's going to be amazing. You know? So I want to keep adding to the resume of this guy will have exciting matches. This guy will deliver and 
even in loss, this guy's going to be exciting, so put him in. Uh, that's how I want my 2024 to go. And hopefully I get to just like roll with Matt Riddle. That would be fucking amazing, you know? So is that on the list this year you want to roll with Matt Riddle? And, and if so, why? Dude, his match, did you see that match he had at Evolve 100 with uh, Zack Sabre Jr.? That, that is one of my all-time pro res- uh, favorite pro wrestling matches in like the independent scene of the last 10 years. I fucking love that match. I love Matt Riddle's uh, uh, grappling style, you know? And granted, though, they're working for pro wrestling and everything like that. I get it. And I get he's fucking way bigger than me. I support that. But it's just like, that, that, that guy's so fucking cool. I mean, I want to roll with Brian Danielson. That would be amazing. I know that dude just do Tissot out of the lab. I think that's what he said one time off mentioning. I know he trained with Neil Melanson, too. Um, but, I mean, that would be fucking cool. You know, I just want to just, like, roll with the best people. Not even names. I want to roll with just, like, uh, you have a badass at your gym. I want to roll with that guy, you know? Uh, There's somebody in Florida that wants a match. I want to roll with him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, on my – because I I don't have many, but I have been very specific as to the people who I would want to roll with in the pro wrestling space. And one, granted, he's got to make an amends in terms of – being healthy but i want to roll with kyle riley like oh, i've seen him use a shit. ton of great jiu-jitsu he's got a goofball nature to him i feel like my sense of humor would work well with his i think i and i've only done this with two people um because i like to tell people putting me on as a super fight would get negative ratings me as a host is good me as a competitor <laughs> i'm not selling it i don't care um and i might bore people so I know for sure, though, that with Kyle O'Reilly, it'd be very fun. So I, I've challenged him. And the only other person that I've ever challenged to a super fight is Ben Folks, the MMA reporter, because I know he's trained. I'm pretty sure he's a brown belt, but he hasn't trained for a while. Uh, he's mm-hmm. come on our show. We've become somewhat uh, at least friendly. And mm-hmm. I had pitched it to him and he was like, I just said, hey, man, I know you have a piece of trash neck. It's just. I respect you, which is why I would call you out. Everybody else doesn't make sense for me, but you're in the field of reporting. And I feel like that's one of the people I would want to have a match with. And he was like, oh, don't say never. Like that, that could be something we entertain. And I was like, yeah, that's perfect. Because I oh, feel no, like no, you're my great. speed of reverse promoting this fight. We would almost be telling people it's probably not going to be what you think it is, but tune in <laughs> if you want, I guess. So it made me uh, laugh very profusely. So those are those are the two people I've I have had on my side. Yeah, I think just like uh, Riddle, I would love to roll with. Again, there's a little bit of intangibleness out of that because again, that guy's fucking huge. Um, everyone who's actually trained with him says that, but it's like you know, I want to have a friendly roll, or hey, if they want to have a match, match shit, I'll do it. I mean, my buddy Darren rolled with um, Heap over at High Rollers. I mean, you know, I just want to have fun with Matt Riddle. You know, I've, I have no malice. I'm just a fan of the guy. Um, let's see, Davy Richards would be fucking cool because again, like. Uh, Dave Richards was one of the reasons I wanted to get a blue belt in the first place. Cause I remember on the ROH commentary when he was like taking on uh, Tyler Black at Death Before Dishonor Seven. Uh, Jim Cornette, who was just uh, is either Cornette or Prazak, who was just on the commentary team, was talking about he's a jujitsu blue belt. I'm like, and I'm seeing him do shit in transitions, and I'm like, oh man, I gotta get one of those one day. But the blue belt will always be like my favorite one of my my probably my favorite belt, if not my white belt. It is fairly amazing that that is a point of a bullet point for anything, given the fact that we are in the jiu-jitsu scape. But in the pro wrestling side, being like, he has a blue belt. And it's like, cool. 
That's awesome. Yeah. To all of us in oh. jujitsu. We're like, does he not show up to class anymore? Like, what, what's his deal now? Like, to us, it's just a very funny moniker to have. But then yeah. you watch one of Davey Richards' matches and you go, that dude's super He's a man. He's a pro wrestler. Yeah, I'd love to roll with that guy. Actually, he uh, did reach out to me. Well, not reach out to me. Like, he sent me a DM. But, like, because uh, uh, if you look on his um, – I hope he didn't take it down. But, like, I have a screenshot of it. Uh, he actually did, uh, cause he got, when he got his purple belt, I just, you know, wrote him all like, Hey man, I hope if you ever read this and I'm paraphrasing, I hope if you ever read this, just know you're one of the reasons I wanted to do jujitsu and, uh, because you got a blue belt and I wanted to win it. And that's why I worked so hard to get it. And, uh, uh now I'm a brown belt and I'm teaching people how to do jujitsu and, uh, submission wrestling. And he just brought me back just like, Oh man, I love it, dude. Just keep going. Thank you. So I was like, mm. I love yeah, that just as much cool. as I know that was I love that just as much as when I told uh Casper Van Deem, you know, Johnny Rico, baby. Uh Rico's rough next. I told him like uh every time before I do the kids warm up class after the bow when we go in the uh laps, I yell at the top of my lungs, Come on, you apes, you wanna live forever and I got a like out of that too. Amazing. That's <laughs> I fucking love that movie. As you should, you should, 100%. It's just, it's funny that you have those two stories as the back-to-back, because to me, I'm like, I don't think we would have told as full of a story without those two specific, like, hey, listen, Davey Richards, we signpost that story from minute one by telling the the pro wrestling story. The Casper Van Dien is a 100% an extra cherry on top where I go, didn't know that was happening, but I'll Shit, take a- it. I'm like a jazz solo, dude. I will go off on a fucking tangent and then go right back into the melody and I don't even know how the fuck I did it. That's perfection. Um, so let's do this. I always give people at the very end of the episode an opportunity to shout out any of their teammates, any of their their friends, their training partners, oh uh, sponsors, anybody who helps take care of them or make them the grappler they are. So I'm going to put the camera on you, sir. Feel free to shout out anybody you would like at this moment. Let me preface. Let me let me just uh, preface this with I'm gonna have people pissed off that I forgot them, so I'm gonna try to just like uh, shout out as many people as I can. Uh, let's see, uh, my team, Game Bright Training Center, uh, my coach Herman, uh, my best friend Mike Diffley, uh, just all my kids, all my kids uh, that I, I train there and just study under me. I love all of you. Um, is Sponsors, just like uh, thank you very much, uh, Originals Family Farms, uh, my buddy Jimmy. Uh, thank you. Uh, I mean, level up. You don't sponsor me officially, but I love your product. <laughs> Give me one of them rash guards. Uh, the guys at Subversive keep booking me. Uh, high Rollers. Um, my girlfriend, Liana. I love you, Lee. Uh, God damn it. I guess <laughs> I'm blanking super duper hard on this one. Uh, the Barrett Submission Team. Uh, all you guys. Um, the homies at Legion that always let me into the open mats. Thank you so much. And, uh, God, blanking so damn hard, blanking so damn hard, looking around in my room to see if there's anything that would jar our memory. Uh, what am I supposed to <laughs> like and love? All right. Oh yeah. My mom's, I love you, mom. Uh, there's going to be somebody mad at me right now. That's like, why the fuck did you mention me? I think it's perfectly fine. The benefit of doing these shows is that you can always do them over again in the future or 
at a different time. So this is not the only time that I'm sure you and I will have some kind of chat, given your uh, inclinations towards pro wrestling. I, I will say I, this. I want, I, I want to be the Norm Macdonald of this shit, where it's just like, just bring me back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like I said, we will bring you back in uh, a different capacity at some point in the future. Having said that, uh, I am also looking forward to a point or time when if you come up to L.A., we will 100% have a role. And the nice part is, is that I know that you will be somebody who I can do the pro wrestling attempts to. It doesn't mean I'll I'll land them, but I know 100% that you'll be the one bumping because uh, of your, your previous work. Dude, I will drive over there, man. Just give me as long as I'm on the weekend, I don't give a fuck. I will drive up there, dude. I don't give a fuck. I'll like, I've been meaning to go down to LA and just train, you know. Uh, usually, I try to meet up with my boy Jordan uh, from Tenth uh, Planet, uh, uh, Las Vegas. Jordan wears nogi. Try to get that guy on the show. That guy's fucking awesome. Um, I try to meet up with him anytime he just like gets to LA, but it just never works out. Uh, not his fault. It's just like I'm fucking busy. But like, you know, I want to go out to LA and just like train, man. I still want to like follow my dream of just like getting to train under. Josh Barnett one day. That'd be cool. I love catch wrestling. I think he would be a very, very willing participant uh, to teach you the dark arts that he knows because that dude, he's a definite bridge in our world of, of teaching something that is foundational with also nobody is ever going to tell Josh Barnett this is fake. Like Hell you might no. tell me or you, but you're not telling that guy pro wrestling's fake. Nope. So. Yeah, like I said, we'll definitely, uh, at some point, I'm sure in the future, we'll do it. But in the meantime, get your WWE BJJ submission ready. I think you'll see last year's go up fairly soon, so it'll give you an idea or inspiration of what people did last year. And uh, you can start marking out what you want to do for your submission because it is open to everybody. And uh, I actually, we do a, a main event match where I take myself out of consideration. Otherwise, I'd win all the time. Obvious, but we we like to have fun with it and let people remind people. I guess we should say that jujitsu can be fun, as it should be, man. Make it entertaining. Go for the kill. Be unique as possible. Love the sport. Just fucking do it and make it entertaining. You know, we got to do this. This is the clutch time now, people. This is where we can fucking really take off in jujitsu. And I'm saying this to all my uh, uh, friends and competitors out there, dude. Let's fucking go, dude. That's what I loved about the last subversive in San Diego, man. What made that show fucking deliver? All of the San Diego talent that were there and the LA ones, too, that came out there, man. I got to see a lot of people in my generation who I knew as white belts seeing in the background of competitions and shit like that fucking deliver when it was time to deliver, man. And it's like the sport's getting more popular. We're getting more opportunities. People are like... Uh, putting out their own promotions and shit like that. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. We got to keep this making it exciting. We guys got to keep going after this shit, man. And we can all do this. It's like everyone has their own bands, but instead of like it being like four pieces or five pieces, everyone's their band. Everyone has their scene. Let's fucking go. Well, that's what's up. I have to say this. It has been a blast getting to know you. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. I appreciate you and your time, sir. Um, here's what we're going to do. We'll put a pin on this uh, conversation. We'll talk a little bit at a different time. But in the meantime, thank you so much for your time, sir. I'm going to go ahead and close up this bitch with these last two minutes of plugs. And then I will talk to you and say bye to you off air in just a moment. Thank you, people, for having me. Sorry sorry, we uh, alienated you if you weren't into pro wrestling. Nah, nah, I mean, they know. They, listen, if they watch this show, they know what happens. They don't, okay, they don't get like, to, like, run away. Like, oh, no, I'm surprised. Like, 
Like, bro, come like you know what you signed up for. Get out of here. should. Like, I'm sorry I can't talk about Gordon Ryan. Last ADCC I was at, I had to fucking ask Mike Diffley, who's sitting next to me, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? But I can tell you like everything that happened in the fucking King's Rose story. All Japan Pro Wrestling. Can I just be really honest with you? Yeah. We're not more interesting in jujitsu than people in pro wrestling. Just I I want people that every time pro wrestling's fake. And it's like, well then why is your fucking personality so dumb and fake than pro wrestling? Stop it. All right, I'm gonna say goodbye. Mark, stick around. I'll talk to you in a second, buddy. Right on. Bye, everybody. And sorry they had to look at the gap in my teeth. You can go football. Stop. Thing. You know what? I'm taking you off air now. You're good. Okay. He's been too self-deprecating. Let's do this. Thank you so much for watching. As a reminder, if you can go on over to patreon.com, find us at Grappling Hour. Give us some love and support. Five bucks a month to see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. And for a few extra dollars, you can catch us with our extra bonus content, including mini-sodes, tape breakdowns, fight studies with the fighters themselves. And you can even check out a situation where people are roasting my competition footage. Coming up very soon, we've got even more and greater things coming up. We're doing a new segment called Running the Gauntlet, where we take on six topics per week. And uh, very soon, we'll be bringing on guests to the show. By the time you see this, there might actually be guests on the show, but it is a new segment that we're doing. And we're doing it on all of our channels, including Instagram Live, and let's say right now it's either Monday or Tuesday uh, early in the day. So that is what's happening there. And uh, last but not least, join us on the Discord. You can also, uh, at, that's at Grappling Hour. You can also, if uh, we told you we we're going to give you something to comment about in the comment section. Uh, tell us your favorite PWG match. That's how we'll know the real ones here. If you guys are actual real ones, yeah. tell us what your favorite PWG match is. And if nobody comments, it's that you nerds are uncultured swine and need to start learning things. So you got all that going right now. And uh, last thing, go to rafasparza.com to buy these shirts or hold up. Check this out. For the people who buy locally, who, which means I don't like have to ship to you. But for all the homies that buy locally, we do all this. You get your hoodie because, yes, we are selling hoodies. And whoever I gave this to, they won't mind me doing this. So you can go ahead and check this out. All available at rapasparza.com. The grappling hour hoodies, they keep you warm. They keep you safe. I can't prove that, says the government. But yes, they mostly keep you very, very warm in these very cold times. So you can go buy that rapasparza backslash merch. So rapasparza.com backslash merch. Or you can find us at grapplinghour.com. Ladies and gents, that's going to do it for us here at the show. It has been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats. Perfect.